boy, this team looks a lot better when the top three batters are all hitting home runs, eh? Man. We say it all the time, and it is a cliche. But cliches usually have some kind of truth to them, some kernel. But teams will live and die by their biggest bats all the time. Not a hot take, obviously. But, man, seeing Springer and Bo and Vladdy all go yard in different ways is exactly what you want to see. Doubly so down at the trop. And triply so, if I can say that, when you are in tight to secure a playoff spot. 9-5, the Blue Jays win the final road game of the year down in Florida. Third straight series win for the Jays all over their East AL East foes. And uh, now they head back home to the Rogers center for the final stretch of the regular season. Welcome to Jay's talk on the Sportsnet radio network, streaming live on sportsnet.ca and on the Sportsnet app. Joe Ali here with you taking your calls and texts. Phone lines are open four one six eight seven zero zero five ninety one triple eight triple six zero five ninety star five ninety on your cellular device. Five ninety five ninety is where you can text us. That's the people's text line, which is always open. As Ben Nicholson-Smith said, wrapping up with Ben Wagner, the magic number, I believe, is now three. They win three of their next six games, which are all at home here in Toronto, and they're in the playoffs. Very impressive stuff. I actually think one of the most impressive aspects of this game today was seeing the Jays respond to adversity. And often this this season, we have not always seen great responses from the offense, right? Like the pitching the defense have very often picked up the team, uh, but less so from the offense. And today that was not the case. And frankly, that really hasn't been the case all series long. They scored six wins, pardon me, six runs in the win on Friday. They did lose yesterday, but they still scored six runs in that game and nine runs today. Again, only six games to go this season. And that might be one of the most welcome events we've experienced in a very long time. I've, I've come on this, these very airwaves uh, so many times this season, often late at night, which is nice to not be the case today, but uh, what I've come on a lot to say, like, what a disappointing loss. What a stressful game. What a bad, ugly, brutal, embarrassing loss. Well, you know what? Not today, Satan. That was the complete opposite, I'd say. One of their strongest wins of the year, given all of the circumstances, all of what's going on on the, the standings update, which we'll check out after the break. And even more so, perhaps, after a really bad loss yesterday, they don't let it affect them. They shake it off. They grab the win today. They pick up. You say Kikuchi, who has been so good for so much of the season. John Schneider pushing, I think, the right buttons, especially with Kikuchi not having it today. He gets yanked, I think, at the right time. He's not left in there. They managed to, I do think, survive certain uh, relief pitching today, including certainly from Jimmy Garcia, who you guys know I'm a big booster of his, but we'll get to Jimmy Garcia in a sec. But ultimately, there, while there were some questionable moments, certainly as there are in any baseball game, it was 99% positive today, I will say, and uh, very good stuff. Again, a 9-5 win over the Rays at the Trop to wrap up the final road game. Uh, of the season. Uh, let's check out the text line. 590-590, name and location. Chris in Vancouver. I hope Vladdy can bottle that swing up for the next three weeks or so. Good to see him punishing fastballs. Great job by the bullpen after Kikuchi uh, went short today. JJ in Toronto, anyone who says clutch isn't a real thing hasn't watched September Springer. Wow. Yes, I 100% agree. I mean, I you know, I was going to get to this a, bit, a little bit later, but on Springer, the inside, park, inside the park home run wild play 
right? It feels appropriate that it happened at the Trop because if you've ever been there, it's actually one of the few parks I've been to. And it looks like when you're there, it kind of looks like a circus top. Like when you look up, like when you're looking up directly and uh, some circus music was definitely playing on that one. It's the first inside the bark home run since last July when uh, Raimel Tapia, as we all remember, did it at Fenway. Oh, that was a grand slam. It's the 32nd inside the park home run in team history uh, before Tapia. Ezekiel Carrera in 2017, funnily enough, at Tampa Bay as well off of Jake Odorizzi. I'm pretty sure I was working that game here. And I was also here for the Tapia one last year. So maybe I'm the inside the park. Uh, good luck charm <laughs> for the Jays. There's probably absolutely no correlation, but it is pretty funny that all three times it's happened in the past, like, six years I've been present for, but great drive by Springer on that one bounces off the wall, takes a hop away from both the left and center field that rolls into center field. There's always a little luck involved with these plays, but to me, it's one of the most exciting and certainly chaotic outcomes one can have, but to the, to the textures point for JJ, I mean, you look at the other plays Springer had today, right? What a game legacy game for George Springer. He gets the diving grab to keep Harold Ramirez from scoring Perhaps a, a brain fart by Ramirez on that play, certainly. But he, prior to that, he plays the ball off the wall and to throw out Curtis Mead at second. And you got to think that Curtis Mead, a rookie also, you got to think that he thought it was a home run because he was kind of trotting, right? He didn't really look like he had turned the Jets on. And I don't think in a limited sample size, we haven't really seen Curtis Mead do that. So he must have thought it was gone. And to his credit, it was like a foot away from being a two-run jack. But man... Springer played that ball perfectly. And uh, even if he did get the wind knocked out of him on the uh, diving grab to keep Harold Ramirez at third base, I mean, it was that I don't think it's hyperbole to say that that is perhaps one of George Springer's best games as a Toronto Blue Jay, because he has played very, very well. We'll certainly get to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Boba as well. But I do want to bring you guys into the conversation. 416-870-0590. one triple eight triple six zero five ninety star 590 on your cell. We'll go back to the text line in a sec. 590-590, name and location. Let's kick things off with Eddie in Fort Erie. Eddie, what's on your mind? Not much, show. Uh, I was enjoying the game today as well as my football. I enjoy watching my Patriots eat up Zach Ooh. Wilson, which I expected. And, of course, I was watching uh, George Springer do his thing, and uh, it was great. And you know what, show? Now that the Blue Jays have won two out of three in this series... It is in the Tampa Bay Rays heads now more than ever, because as you know, and everyone else does, it's very possible. We could go back there again for the playoffs. And if we play like that, Oh my goodness, that's going to be something else. If we win again over there, because the way that Springer played today kind of set the tone for Vladdy and Bo to do their things. Because when, when Springer does big things, the offense follows it up, and it was just great today. I'm so happy with how they took care of business at the Trop. Absolutely, Eddie. Thank you for joining me on Jay's Talk. I 100% agree. I mentioned, mentioned this off the top, but the adversity that the Jays have overcome this entire season, and some of it is, is their own doing. Don't get me wrong. But that they were able to do it today, I thought was very impressive because they go down early. They go down right away, in fact. They, they top of the first you don't really see a lot happening from the top of the order. Taj Bradley gets out of it immediately. Like they, the top of the first inning was like three minutes. They did, it was like a super quick half inning. And then they go to the bottom of the first and Kikuchi just immediately gets hit, right? He start, lets up runs, only lets up two runs in the inning. So kudos to him for at least managing to stay, uh, I suppose, relatively speaking, unscathed. But 
boy, you look at the response in the second inning from the Blue Jays, and Eddie's right. Starting with with George Springer, he played exceptionally well, certainly offensively as well. Gave a, a number of balls a ride. I, I actually thought he hit another home run in the, uh, I guess it was the top of the ninth inning. Thought he uh, put a bit of an exclamation mark on that one, but George Springer playing excellently today. Uh, more text on the text line, 590-590, name and location. Let's see here. Connor in Ottawa. Buck had eight red stars. I'm going to assume that's good, but eight red stars for the defense tonight. All well-deserved Springer's big start on O and on defense Kirk's game with a big pickoff in that game uh, ending two, three Bo looked great at short and as good as the bats were tonight, the defense deserves some love. Absolutely. The defense was phenomenal. I'm glad Connor highlighted Kirk's pickoff move to certainly help out Yusei Kikuchi and then the game ending play. Cause he kind of had to, he's not the fastest guy as we all know, but he very quickly rolled out to just in front of home plate and made kind of what looked like an off balance throw. And of course, Biggio had to stretch to get it as well, but it was a great play from Kirk. So definitely great to point that out. We mentioned the great defensive plays from Springer. There were a couple of double plays that were just missed, but not because of lack of effort, but a lot of the, a lot of the raised batters just legging it out like Isak Paredes, for example. And, and uh, certainly Curtis Mead as well. And uh, maybe he learned a lesson from not legging it out at the beginning of the game, as we discussed. But hey, I think given everything that happened to the Rays and knowing that Randy Rosarena was in the game yesterday, had to leave that game. And then today, knowing that Yandy Diaz, who honestly is so good. He, he, he's one of the guys you just don't talk about overall. Uh, he played very well in this series right up until, and including today, until he had to leave the game. With the, I guess it was hamstring tightness, I think they were saying. But, boy, I mean, Yandy Diaz is one of those guys that... I remember Brian Anderson, Ray's color analyst, was on with Blair and Barker. I guess it was on Friday. And uh, Barker asked him who the Ray's MVP was. And he said... He didn't even hesitate. He said he's Yandy Diaz, which is absolutely correct. But if you look at the AL MVP race overall, Shohei Otani is winning it. And he's going to win probably every first place vote, as he should. But... After Shohei Otani, the next guys get votes, like down-ballot votes. Corey Seager, I'm sure, will get some, despite the fact that he missed a chunk of time this year. Uh, Kyle Tucker will probably get some because he has played very well. You know what, though? After you get down the list a little bit, like the fourth or fifth guys on that list, Yanny Diaz is probably that guy. So for the for the Rays, I only mention it because for the Rays to lose Yanny Diaz today and certainly Arena yesterday, to different kinds of injuries, knowing that they have already locked up the first wild card. And I suppose there's an outside chance they win the division, but it doesn't seem particularly likely after they lose two of three and the Orioles last I checked were cruising over the guardians. So knowing that it seems pretty unlikely they're going to rush back a Rosarena and Diaz, knowing that they're going to likely be locked into a two or three game series, probably against the blue Jays. So I uh, like knowing that they were not playing the blue Jays had to take advantage of that. And they absolutely did. Uh, let's go back to the phones. 416-870-0590. one 590 Star 590 on your cellular device. Go back to the text line in a sec. 590-590, name and location. Uh, Tim in Hamilton joining us here on Jay's Talk. Tim, what's on your mind? Hey, show. How are you doing? Good, man. Always um, fun when you can wrap up a series at the Trop with a big win, right? Yeah, yeah. The the um, the Montoyo Suite, they call that one. Two out of three, right? <laughs> Can't get better than that, um, right, Tim? <laughs> Exactly. Can't get better. Um, yeah, I was thinking about um, Biggio and Varsho in particular. And, you know, they talk about that sort of 1,500 at-bat benchmark. 
as being the moment when you find out who a, a hitter truly is, right? The first 500, they break in. Second 500, the league adjusts. And then the third 500, they readjust. Um, and both those guys are shy of 1,500. So I'm wondering if, you know, maybe some of the positives that we're seeing lately are actually, um, you know, a little bit of truth or, or who these guys actually are peeking out. And, and if they're still on the upswing, um, if we have, you know, good things to look forward to from these guys. Hey, Tim, I appreciate the call. Thanks for joining me on JSTOCK. I, I generally do fall more on the side of, just in a, in a general sense, fall, fall more on the side of there's still a lot of runway left for Biggio and Varsha. They're still very young, all things considered. Like, younger than, than, than otherwise we would have thought, right? I know Varsha may be, maybe less so than Biggio, but there's still a lot of runway for them to be certainly very good. And that's why I've always been a little hesitant as much as you probably would want Gabriel Moreno this year, I don't necessarily want to relitigate the <laughs> Lourdes Moreno uh, Varsho trade with the Diamondbacks, but it was one of the reasons I was always kind of hesitant to say, oh, Varsho, what a terrible trade, just because there's so much more time for him to get better. He is probably going to be the starting center fielder on this team next year, probably, I would think. And you know what? You got to give Varsho some credit, right? He banged some solo, a solo home run the other day. Today, the RBA triple. And I thought it was very important for the RBA triple, not just to get some insurance runs, but the left-on-left matchup. I mean, this is someone we have seen this year get pinch hit. I mean, obviously, because he wasn't on the team prior, but he got he's gotten pinch hit for a number of times. And I kind of wonder if the game was tied or the Jays were trailing. Maybe there's a real chance it happens again, but... Today he comes maybe a foot or two from another home run and great approach from him, especially with the matchup versus, I believe, Colin Pochet. So, yeah, I think there, there's still a lot of room left for Varsho to be a lot better, which is why I hesitate to completely judge that trade, even if that's a, not a sexy sports radio answer because Sports Talk Radio is all about making snap judgments and hot takes and so on, right? As I well know, but uh, I, I do think there is a lot of runway for Varsho on Biggio. I mean, this has got to be his best year Dating back to his rookie year, maybe even better. Maybe I'd, I'd have to look at the statistics specifically to see if we're really splitting hairs here, but Biggio has made so many phenomenal plays. We've talked about it a lot over the last month. Again, I'm not sure he's a cleanup hitter, and that, but that doesn't lie on Biggio. That lies more on the roster construction, as Barker has said many times, but he has played excellently, and not just offensively. He has played excellently defensively as well. I mean, that play that he made at first base to help out Yusei Kikuchi. It was a ball that looked like it was going to skip past the first base bag, and he slides and just kind of, he slides down to his butt, basically, with his, his leg kicking out, and he just snags it and then steps on the bag to end the inning after it kind of looked like things might unravel. Great stuff from Kevin Biggio. He made a number of great digs and stretches at first base on a day where Vladdy was DHing. So, gotta say, I have been very impressed with Kevin Biggio all season long, and we talked about this on the pregame show. I've talked about this with Ben Shulman a number of times, but uh, you know, this, I, we're at the point now where, and again, only six games left, but boy, if BGO has got to be in the lineup more often than not, if there's a lefty batter on the mound, maybe BGO sits, but he's been so good. Maybe, maybe there's an argument to be made that he doesn't sit even then he has been so good. So definitely very impressed with what I've seen uh, from, from Kevin Biggio. Uh, let's go back to the text line, five ninety five ninety. name and location. Alden and Scarborough. This is why Springer makes the money he makes. Alden also saying special shout out to the Jays bats for actually picking up their pitchers. First, when Kikuchi led in the early two runs and in the eighth, just after Jimmy gives up the two run homer. I see another one from Nicole in Ottawa. Today was a great reminder of how fun watching baseball can be. Forgot what it felt like to end a game without feeling disappointed, discouraged, or stressed. 
I will I will only slightly disagree with you, Nicole. I'm uh, only only a teensy bit because I was a little stressed out at certain points in this game. I was a little stressed out when the Jays were down two nothing early on in the in the first inning because Kikuchi has been so great, and I was a little worried. I freely admit. I was also a little stressed when Jimmy Garcia gives up an absolute bomb to Isak Paredes, his 30th home run of the year. The guy does not get talked about nearly enough in the, in a general baseball sense, so, which is odd, right? For a team like the Rays that are, have one of the best records in all of major league baseball, well over 90 wins this year, but boy, Jimmy Garcia getting, getting lit up in that inning by Paredes specifically after getting two relatively quick outs was a little concerning, but maybe those are the only two points where I kind of felt like things might turn a little bit, but to the textures points, I mean, they, they never really let the moment get too big for them. And they have essentially played. It really did feel like they just played a, a three game playoff series. So, I mean, I'm not, this is not going to be what you expect every single time out. Cause I got to imagine that in a three game series, you're not going to see Taj Bradley. You're probably not going to see Zach Littell. If the Jays do go back to Tampa, you're probably going to see Glass now and Eflin. I would, I would guess I'm not sure who the third starter would be off the top of my head, but uh, those are two re- very different guys. But then again, they did take advantage of glass now. On Friday, I see more text here on the text line. Carl in Ottawa. Although Saturday's loss was frustrating, I like the way they played. They fought their way back with a win on Sunday. Bottom nine, as I write. Oh, yeah, this came in before the end of the game. They take the series against the Rays. Great outcome. Let's say positive. A playoff berth is now highly likely. Yeah, great stuff. Absolutely great stuff. I wanted to get to Yusei Kikuchi just because I saw some of these, <laughs> these texts, which made me laugh. Uh, when, when they made me laugh when they came in, I just appreciate you all being on the same page with me uh, via these texts. Kikuchi, four innings pitch, nine hits, three runs, all of which were earned. No walk, which is, I guess, good. Seven strikeouts, 73 pitches thrown. Uh, at the beginning of the game, Pedro from Mimico. Early mound visit for Kikuchi. Pete Walker must be asking him if he got his full 14 hours of sleep. <laughs> Jim from Burlington. Well, I guess Kikuchi didn't get enough sleep. 10 hours or less. I was going to say nine hours or less, but that is pretty funny, actually, that the sleep thing has now come all the way back around to his, his next start. I I was nine hours, didn't look very sharp right from the get-go. The Rays also, however, do generally hit lefties pretty well, right? But even so, you do expect a little bit more from Kikuchi. He did settle in after that first inning, and he but he got the help from Springer, got some help from Kirk with the back pick. The textures mentioned that was in the fourth with two on. Kirk and Biggio combining to, to end the inning. And uh, in stark contrast to yesterday, in the moment after he escaped the fourth, I wasn't entirely convinced he should have come back out for the fifth because he just he just did not have great command of the fastball, even if he did get seven strikeouts. And he didn't end up coming back out. So I think that was, to give credit to John Schneider, the right button to push. But you know, it's funny, despite the eye test saying he wasn't quite as sharp, he still set a new career high in innings pitched. Like He surpassed 162 picks innings pitched for the first time in his career. So uh, still some positives for Kikuchi today. I see another text here on the text line. Uh, well, shoot, I was just looking at it. It was a text basically about uh, about Trevor Richards. Oh, here it is. Jay from Regina. Can we show some love for Richards? Two and two thirds, one hit, two Ks, one walk this whole weekend at the Trop. Maybe stepping that toe back in the circle of trust. Yeah, the Trevor Richards outing over this weekend, but certainly today was very interesting, right? Like Richards comes out for the fifth. He takes on the top of the order, starting with Ramirez, who up, up until that point had two very hard hits uh, balls. He only threw, I think, nine or ten pitches yesterday, so let's say ten. So with the off day tomorrow, you still feel okay about him coming into this one. He'd actually given up runs prior to yesterday in five of the seven games in the month of September. But he looked great yesterday, and today, 
perhaps some tense moments against Paredes and Caminero after he walked uh, Curtis Mead, but he struck out Paredes. He gets Caminero to pop up, who has looked very good as a as a very young rookie who just got called up a couple of days ago. He actually used the changeup to get both those guys, and Ramirez also lined out the Varsho on the changeup, so definitely the change having some more bite to it today and probably yesterday as well than for much of September. Richards also had an extended outing on the following inning against yesterday's villain in Josh Lowe, but uh, he still gets him to swing. It's Margo to pop up. I honestly thought they'd just give him the yank after Lowe, but they left him in there for three more batters. Pinto gets aboard, but he gets some help from Biggio, as we discussed, this great sliding snag on the ball that looked like it was skipping past the bag, but he gets out of it. Here's the funny thing. He threw 44 pitches over two innings of work today. You can, of course, do that with the off day, but that is tied for the most pitches he has thrown in a game all season. He did it last back on May 14th. And back in May, here's the thing. He did it on four days rest. He played yesterday. So he threw essentially 54 pitches in less than 24 hours. So very impressive stuff for him to not let up any runs in either game. You got to give him the kudos. Uh, I wanted to get to Jimmy Garcia as well before we go back to the phones. Uh, So Garcia comes back out for the seventh. He pitched well yesterday, albeit against the bottom of the order. And today he was tasked with getting the top of the order for Tampa. He gets the first two outs pretty easily, but they can't turn a double play. Paredes comes to the plate, curveball thrown at the bottom of the zone. I I really do think ultimately call me a, a homer or making excuses or whatever, but the curveball has been fine. It might not have been elite, an elite pitch for him this year, but I almost do think he did leave it a little bit too much over the plate, but it was right at the bottom of the zone. And I wonder if this particular result can be attributed to Paredes making a great swing. But we'll say with Jimmy, on one hand, it is important to say that it's just a third home run he has allowed since mid-June. Uh, but he has been more solid more often than not. This is probably also a situation in which Chad Green likely pitches most of the time. And Green likely just down today. He got five outs yesterday, which is great to see. We talked about that yesterday. But A, I'm not that concerned with Jimmy. And B, he also won't be put into these situations when all of Hicks, Green, Swanson, and Romano are available. Having said that, on the other hand, Jimmy has now allowed 14 runs, 12 of them earned in 13 innings of work when pitching on a second straight day. So while it might have been done out of necessity in terms of who was available and who was up today, eh, maybe no more from Jimmy on two straight days, uh, if possible. Hopefully with the off day tomorrow, it does mean that for the next six games starting on Tuesday, that's not something that will be needed too, too often. Uh, 416-870-0590. star 590 on your cell. Let's go to Joe in Mississauga. Joe, welcome to JSTOCK. Thanks for holding. What's on your mind? Hey, good afternoon. Yeah, I just uh, I've probably seen 90% of the Jays game this year, and it's been the same kind of groundhog day type of game where they're swinging at balls, striking themselves out, not taking a pitch, not walking, and it just looks like over the last 10 days or so that they're actually taking a pitch, they're actually uh, waiting for their pitch. And uh, even Vladdy, like I heard on TV today, they were saying that he hasn't struck out in so many at-bats. And, uh, you know, where he was striking out because he's swinging at bad pitches. Like, I think it's a good lineup, but uh, they just get themselves out a lot. But uh, it looks like they turned it around. I don't know what they're drinking now, but uh, it's working. Or what uh, what the coaches are selling, but they're finally listening. Yeah, I agree with you. my comment. Yeah, no, thank you for calling in. I appreciate the call. 
Joe from Mississauga joining us on Jay's Talk. I, uh, boy, it's, it, it is tough to quantify, right? Because they often say baseball is, what is it saying? It's a, it's a game of failure. And it's like whoever fails just slightly less wins a handful of more games. And that's the difference for so many people. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say that a lot of the disappointing results you've gotten for a large chunk of the season, like relative to expectations. I'm not gonna sit here and say that it's all excused by bad luck or anything. But boy, they have really to Joe's point, they have turned it on at the right time. And you gotta think that you gotta think that this is gonna carry over. Don't get me wrong, they have uh they don't have an easy road at the end. They still have to play at a high level. They can't make base running mistakes or or poor swing decisions. It's gonna be a tightrope walk for the rest of the season, even if they had have made it easier on themselves this weekend. But boy, I mean, you gotta feel a little more encouraged on the based on the results. I mean, again, six runs on Friday, six runs yesterday, nine runs today all against a very good team, even if they are ailing right now, that's a very good result for a team that has largely struggled offensively. It's funny because you've, we basically talked about for two days in a row that the Jays have picked up the uh, the pitching in terms of the starting pitching in both with both Ryu and Kikuchi. They very nearly did it the entire series, but great to see it happen in a relatively low event game on Friday, and then certainly greater to see them come through in big spots today as well. Uh, let's go back to the phones, 416-870-0590. One triple eight triple six zero five ninety star five ninety on your cell. Uh, Zach is down in Florida. Zach, how was the game down there? I see you were uh, down at the Trop. Oh yeah, it was terrific. Uh, great game. Uh, I know the Trop is a Jay's house of horror, but um, man, great win. Um, so I say, a fan of the show. Always. I'm uh, actually Toronto born. Actually from uh, North York, but right. longtime Florida resident. But uh, yeah, just seeing uh, back-to-back bombs from uh, you know, Vladdy and Bichette. That was beautiful. But uh, yeah, love the show, and I'll listen off air. Thank hey, you. Yeah, Zach, thank you for calling in. I, it's a great great thing to highlight Vladdy. We haven't really talked too much about Vladdy today. and kind of, How could he not, right? So he crushes the solo home run in the sixth. So that ball came off his bat 112 miles an hour. That is what you want to see. That's, that's what you have wanted to see all year long. Like that is exactly what you expect Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to do against a middle-middle fastball to no count. Right. Maybe much of the season, so much of the season, we have seen Vladdy just get under it and he pops those pitches up or I don't know, just generally be behind it because he's swinging late for whatever reason. He did not miss that today and punished that ball to dead center, 427 feet at the drop. And then he gets up there in the ninth and he punishes his second home run of the game, his ninth career multiple homer game. I just, what a nice development it would be. This comes after a very strong game yesterday, despite the loss, but it would be great to see him get back on track somewhat to end the year, right? Like he, he is just, again, just what we talked about to start the show is going to be a big part of how this team goes, certainly for the rest of the season. And you're going to have high expectations for Vladdy in the playoffs as well. So it's definitely good to just, just to see him feel more comfortable at the dish you're not going to see a great swing from him every single time because you don't see that from every player. Not, not even like Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna Jr. do that literally every time they swing the bat. But if you're seeing it more often than not from Vladdy, just him making better decisions, I got to say that is that is an absolutely welcome sight. Also, Bo crushing an absolute bomb. It just felt very uh, vintage of the Jays, like relatively speaking, because these guys are quite young, but felt kind of vintage for them to get a, uh, back-to-back bombs from Bo and Vladdy. It's what we envisioned all year, like we said. And in the eighth final game of the season, 
It's the, I guess, no, I guess seventh final game of the season today. It's the first time those two specifically have gone back-to-back. Vladdy has gone back-to-back with other guys. Boa has gone back-to-back with other guys. But they've never gone back-to-back with each other all year. So, I I don't know, better late than never, I suppose. Uh, Let's hear a little bit of audio. John Schneider is wrapping up his availability down at the Trop. Let's hear a little bit of what he had to say about George Springer's legacy game. Uh, yeah, I thought the ball was gone, and credit to him for not taking that for granted. Um, you don't really see that too often, but kind of just between the inside of the park homer, the two plays in right, throwing out Mead, and then catching the, the soft liner, um, kind of took the game over there for, for about 25 minutes. And, you know, George, this time of year, is a, a good guy to have on your team. That is John Schneider chatting about George Springer's phenomenal day. Again, an inside-the-park home run. Again, you don't see that too very often. You get one today, you got one last year, and then one most recently in 2017. George Springer, again, showing why his name is often uttered in the month of September and helping the Jays to a 9-5 win today. Uh, Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will go back to the phones and we'll go back to the text line as well. 590-590, name and location. Still some time to give me a call. 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. Jays again with the 9-5 win to wrap up the final road game of the season at the Trop, no less. Back for more Jays talk after the break. I'm Show Ali on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Awesome road trip. I mean, coming off a sweep at home and then two division teams that are really tough. Um, guys played their asses off. Yeah, I mean, yesterday was a tough one, but, you know, this was um, about as good of an outcome other than 6-0, and you know what I mean? Um, just love the way they're going about it, you know, everything from offense, defense to pitching. Um, yeah, it was a really, really good road trip. That is John Schneider discussing the final road trip of the season. Jays go four and two on the road trip. Two wins in New York, two wins at the Trump. And now they return home after a 9-5 win. They have the day off tomorrow. Coming home for six more games against those same Yankees and Rays beginning Tuesday at the Rogers Center. Welcome back to Jays Talk. Show Ali with you until the top of the hour. Appreciate you all being alongside me. Still some time to send me some texts. 590-590, name and location. 416 star 590 on your cell are the numbers to call. So got some time for some phone calls as well. But before we go back to any of those, let's go to the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. With Bet365, you can watch thousands of live games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game is still being played. 19 plus play responsibly, Ontario only. So uh, if we take a look, uh, you know what? I will take a look at both the division and the wild card because it kind of matters for maybe not the Blue Jays for the division, but certainly for the Rays and the Orioles. The Orioles already done their game today. They uh, cruised to a 5-1 win over the Guardians. So coupled with the Blue Jays beating the Rays today, the Orioles are 97-59 and and the Rays are 95-62. and So the Rays are two and a half games back of the division. It would seem unlikely that the Orioles are going to lose like three games between now and the end of the regular season because of what they have to play. So I kind of wonder if there will be by the time we talk next weekend or at the very least when you talk to Blair and Barker, because this is my last Jays talk of the year. Uh, when you do talk with the guys, I'll see you in your calls, I suppose. So I guess we will talk in, a, in some fashion. But uh, when we talk next weekend, uh, there might be a real chance that the division race is over. And maybe with all the injuries, the Rays have been suffering. Maybe next weekend's games don't matter as much. Maybe Kevin Gosman will not have to pitch 
in game 162 and will instead pitch in game one of the wildcard series. So certainly a lot of games to go. Six does not feel like a lot, but at the same time, a certainly a positive development. Uh, we look elsewhere on the out of town scoreboard. Uh, I think the Royals just wrapped up a nine, a six, five win over the Astros. Yeah. Nick saying that's the, that's the case. So there you go. Kansas city beats Houston six to five to sweep Houston at minute made park. I had said this in the pregame, but uh, the uh, the Royals, even yesterday, this was before today's game even started, but with the win for the Royals yesterday, the Astros can no longer clinch a winning record at home. They were, prior to today, locked into, at best, a 40-41 and 41 record at Minute Maid Park, and that's going to certainly not, no longer be the case either, given that they lost today as well. So with that being the case, and uh, the Rangers-Mariners game still going on right now, top seven Two runners out, two runners on base, two outs. Rangers lead the Mariners nine to five. Definitely would be a positive scenario as well. Because one of the things you didn't want to see from this series, and certainly for the rest of the year, was these teams split the series. You kind of wanted to see one team dominate the other. And the Rangers on their way to a sweep of the Mariners in this three-game set. So entering play, the Rangers 86 and 68. They're looking for their 87th win. The Blue Jays with the win today, 87 and 69. They are a half, one and a half games up. Uh, on the Astros, who are 85 and 70. I believe, actually, they're going to be 85 and 71. So they might be two games up on Houston. And uh, the Seattle Mariners are 84 and 70. If they lose, they will be a full game back of the Astros. So things perhaps starting to solidify, although the Blue Jays certainly do have to play better in the next couple of, maybe not better, but they have to stay playing this well, let's put it that way, uh, between now and the end of the regular season. Uh, I see a couple of texts here. Uh, let's see, Mike in Saskatoon. How the hell did the Astros lose five to the Royals in a week? No jinx. Well, you didn't jinx them, Mike, because they just lost. Uh, I see another text here. Let's see here. There was one actually about Vladdy. Here it is. Looking at the top 25 RBI in AL, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is the only Blue Jay. Rangers have five. Astros have four. Mariners have three. O's have two. Rays have two. Even the Red Sox have two. He's had very little protection or help around him in the batting order. I think it's a good, I think it's a good point. I really do think that's a great point. Kevin and, and Jeff have talked about this a lot, but even if you look back, we don't have to go back that far, but if you go back to the years with the Josh Donaldson, Jose Edwin years, Jose got protection. I mean, obviously he was still very good. We're not, no one's disputing that, but he got protection. The best players and the best teams maybe still get protection for their stars. And Vladdy has not had that. So again, am I here to excuse the year he's had? No, absolutely not. We've talked about this a lot over the course of the season, but he has, I think, played. He's turning it on a little bit late. Certainly not a lot of great swing decisions earlier on in the season. But having said that, given the roster construction, and of course that falls more on the front office than anyone else, but given that, I actually do think it's, it's quite impressive. Uh, I see one a text here from Stephen and Markham. My goodness, a big win today. Otherwise, we need to go four and two in final homestand to clinch playoff spot. That would have been so, so stressful. Now I just need three more wins. Very doable. Go Jays go. That's from Steven and Markham. Ethan in Moncton, New Brunswick. I love hearing the people talk about how Vladdy is doing nothing all year and then watching him hit two home runs in a game we need to win. Imagine the team without him. We don't have one without him. I like this one, actually. Uh, there's no name on this one. So send your uh, your name and location. So I'll give you a shout out. But uh, I like this one. Uh, OMG, we won two games at the Trop with the long ball too. I die. I love this team so much. Does this mean we're not cursed there anymore? You know what? I I got to see a little bit more just because the Trop is like legitimately the house of horrors. But you know what? 
Trump's probably going to get torn down soon. They announced that new ballpark in Tampa, so maybe this was a good way. Uh, they're probably going to play there for a couple more years because they're not going to build the ballpark overnight. But at the same time, that is uh, that's a, a promising way to end the uh, at least the regular season at the Trump. We'll have to see. I will. Well, how about this? We'll put press pause on that idea until we see what happens in the playoffs. Because I, you know, if the Jays have to go back to Tampa Bay and play at the Trump for two or three games. You don't want to. You don't want to say it's it's over and then have the playoff games come and have that some other nonsense go down. So yeah, I uh, I will put pause on that, but I would like it to mean that the Blue Jays are <laughs> not cursed there anymore. Uh, Nicholas and Poco felt like a good win today. Need to keep up the good work though. Uh, Ken, yes, with four S's. What a great game after yesterday. Bats up and down the lineup, coming alive. Chris and Regina, Jays take a series from Tampa and Dolphins up by fifty. Does this day get any better? I actually did see just very briefly on TV uh, that the score of the Miami Dolphins game flashed by and they were they had scored 70 points. That's insane. That's wild. Even for a football game, that's crazy. But hey, Chris must be a Dolphins fan. So congratulations. Uh, let's go back to the phones. 416-870-0590. Star590 on your cell. John joining us in Smith Falls. John, what's on your mind? Yes, sir. Uh, Shoei, uh, good talk to you. Uh, three quick comments. Yeah. Uh, first one, and you might correct me on uh, who drafted Bichette, Biggio, and Guerrero about four or five years ago. Um, they were considered the building blocks of a, a, a new franchise, and I think they're coming into the fold, especially with Kevin getting you know uh, full-time playing time in the past two or three weeks. Third, second thing was um, uh, kudos to the organization for uh, sticking with Yusei Kukuchi. Last year, bad year. This year, he's become a weapon. And uh, third, is there a player in Major League Baseball that doesn't play any harder than George Springer? I don't know. Uh, I don't watch a lot of baseball, but this guy plays hard every time he comes on the field. And he's great for the team. And if they're going to win a championship, he will be instrumental in that. Hey, thanks, jo- Yeah, thanks, John. I appreciate the call. Thank you for calling me here on Jay's Talk. I agree with you. George Springer, he definitely always gives his hardest, I would think, he, even when he is sick and standing at the dish and he looks like he's in a hurl, and which, which happened this season, early this season, albeit, but uh, still. I agree the, with the take on George Springer. I don't think that I, I don't think you can ever accuse George Springer of not trying, even if he's not playing particularly well, because no one's going to be playing well all season. But you know, even even in the slumps, I don't think you can ever accuse him of like not caring or or just looking disinterested, which hap- I guess happens for some guys certainly. But I, I'm not sure I'd ever levy that at Springer. But uh, I do appreciate the call, Joe. I, I wanted to get to so a couple more texts before we say goodbye. Five ninety five ninety name and location. Uh, there were a number of texts. Uh, here's one from Angus in Oakville, and there was another one as well that I can't find, so I apologize. But it's, it just says, do you think Jordan Hicks should be a closer? And you know what? I, I'm not sure I would change the role of Jordan Hicks or or uh, Jordan Romano, the Jordans, this late in the season. But it does somewhat beg the question, if you give Jordan Hicks like a three-year deal and he continues to look this good, because he did have walk issues, certainly with the Cardinals, and very early in his Blue Jays tenure, there were some strange decisions, but he has come in and done a lot better in terms of pitch selection. We see a lot from, you see him throw basically nothing but sinkers. And today, fourth appearance in six games, a lot being asked from him, but for the most part, he did throw the, the two seamer, the sinker, whatever you want to call it. And despite the workload, he saw triple digits, maybe more sweepers in there today than I'd like, but 
no harm on those. I'm not sure I'd just hand him the closer job, but I don't think there's anything wrong with going into next year if he is a Blue Jay next year by by saying you're, you're kind of reducing the workload on Jordan Romano a little bit, right? Kind of like in the NHL, that if very few teams have like one goaltender who just gets all the work, right? Kind of wonder if that's, and a couple teams have, and not closers by committee, typically there is one guy who gets the the bulk of closing duties, but hey, I mean, Jordan Hicks, I think, has played well enough that you're certainly going to have a very long conversation about making him a Blue Jay for a long time, and uh, or at least the next couple of years while this window of contention is open with, as the caller mentioned, John from Smith Falls saying that the building blocks are there. And I mean, I don't think a lot of people would argue with that, even if it has been an up and down season for the offense. But hey, I, I mean, I don't think there's a bullpen in Major League Baseball that would be, wouldn't be made better by having uh, old Jordan Hicks. But uh, hey, appreciate all the all the calls, all the texts. Blue Jays win at 9-5, to five, and a day off tomorrow means the Jays will get back in action on Tuesday against the Yankees. The last six games of the regular season will all be here in Toronto at the Rogers Center. Thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, brought to you by Crown Rust Protection. While the team makes a push for the postseason, make sure you are prepping your ride for cold weather with Crown, Canada's number one rust protection. Book your appointment today at crown.com or visit the location nearest you. For Ben Wagner... Ben Nicholson-Smith, Tom Young, Nick Blackmore. I'm Show Ali. Thanks for being with me. That's it for me on JSOC this season. I'm done. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Blair and Barker, have you covered the rest of the way? It's been a fun uh, agreeing or disagreeing. Maybe you think I've said some dumb things or you've agreed with what I said or whatever. Come what may, uh, it's been a lot of fun being with you guys this season. Uh, I will still be doing pitching changes and pregames here and there, but uh, for the most part, It's been a pleasure. Enjoy this one, everyone. Enjoy the day off. Have a great rest of your weekend. I'll talk to you later.